Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad, a couple of weeks ago, we announced a contest or something like that, didn't we? I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I did too, until, until we started reading our reviews today. So I think a few weeks ago, we asked you guys all to leave us a nice review on iTunes because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy. And we said we were going we to give extra shout out to anyone who made it funny. Because as you know, we like funny things. And we have a winner. We do. Yeah. So thank you to anyone or to everyone who wrote in and or, uh, who did leave a review. We appreciate that. I'd like to make this a running contest. Yeah, let's just know? keep this going. Just keep it going. We'll just keep, just, that's actually a great point. All right, we're going to just start reading really funny reviews. Okay, so we have a winner from our first batch. Brad, why don't it's you... It's from T-B-V-E-R, T-B-V-E-R. Okay. And, and what's the review? The review is, it's like Bert and Ernie grew up, got their own beds, and got into alternative investments. Very insightful show. Brad and Grayson are great to so kindly share their vast knowledge. You know, we really being compared to Bert and Ernie is probably the highlight of my week. So it, thank you. Whoever, it really is. Yeah. So TBVER, TBVER, thank you. You're funny. Keep it going. I don't understand the own beds comment. Were we in bunk beds before? <laughs> I know, were we sharing a bed? I, you know what? I did think Bert and Ernie always had their own bed. So. Oh, okay. And well, I, uh, By the way, little known fact, Brad and I are brother-in-law. So oh, we, we, <laughs> have we not disclosed that? I don't that? even think we've said wow. So we've, we have shared... Uh, well, our, we have. We've shared, I think we've probably shared bedrooms. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's it's get into it. It's a family bed. It's all you know. The two couples. We just share one bed. <laughs> it's a tight, tight group of sisters. Okay, so today we are going to. It's more of a real estate episode, and we're going to talk about debt. Um, I know everyone's extremely excited about this. I know I am. I I've never really had to go out and raise a massive amount of debt for any project. So oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Brad has fortunately. So we have our resident expert today. So today we're going to talk about how to raise debt for a real estate project. So, you know, this is a situation where we've talked about, you know, finding deals, sourcing deals, putting a pitch deck together, raising money, all that stuff. But I don't think at least at least according to our cursory list of episode titles, <laughs> I don't think we've actually ever talked about like what, you know, how do you go about raising debt for a real estate project? If we did, this is a nice uh, reminder recap for you. <laughs> yeah. So forgive us for the repeat. OK, so Brad. Let's do this. We found, you know, I found a deal. I'm all excited. It's my first one. You know, I put the model together. I need to raise some debt for the property. You know, wh what do I do? Like, what do I, literally, what, what's the next step? Yeah, it's funny because you would think this would be easier of the two, debt or equity, to get. And sometimes it's quite the opposite. Sometimes it is much harder to get the debt on a deal. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just depends on the type of deal. But let's talk about that. So there are, you know, different kind of lenders based on generally one filter being the, the size of the deal. Uh, and so just to start off, if it is a small deal, and I'll, I'll call that sub $2 million. So sub $2 million in total purchase price. Yeah. Okay. You're probably going to be limited mostly to what I'm going to call a, a regional type of lender that is going to be a balance sheet lender. So this is a credit union, a local bank in that particular market. Somebody that uh, is fine doing smaller loans. And when you say balance sheet lender, what, what does that mean? Uh, that just means that they're going to keep the loan on their books. They're Got not going to go and you know cut it up and sell it off okay. in the secondary market. Okay. So this is the local regional bank that has, they take deposits from people and then they loan that out and get interest on that. Yeah, they and, get the spread. And they keep the loan. Okay. So yeah. that's, okay. So that's for smaller deals. Yeah. And so, you know, assuming it's 75% leverage, that's a $1.5 million loan size. Which is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, there are some, you know, other types of lenders that will dip that low depending on, you know, are, are, do they like that strategy? Do they like, do they like you as a sponsor? But for the most part, that's a pretty good threshold number. Okay. So we'll call these the regional 
balance sheet lenders. Yeah. So okay. to expand that list, uh, so first, you know, I think we've talked about this briefly, but seller financing is also an option. We're not going to go in detail on that because I think we have touched on it before. And yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll speak more about it later in an, its own episode. Yeah, we're going to... Today's episode is more about getting debt from... Traditional sources. Traditional sources, yeah. Not the seller. Although that's always a nice option. I think, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. So we talked about balance sheet lenders. Generally speaking, those are, you know, the regional banks of the world. Um, you know, they tend to, you know, tap out at a $10 million loan, the vast majority of them. But some some can go up to twenty. You know, the, the exception can go higher. And I'm, picture, I'm picturing like walking into an office and there's like cookies and there's someone at a desk and they like welcome you over. Oh, yeah. And uh, Timmy Smith is the regional vice president. You can shake his hand. Yeah. Right. He's like he's got a suit on. You can take him to lunch and okay. he can, you know, approve or deny you based on. Yeah. You know, he's going to. Does he believe in you? He's going to look you in the eye. Yeah. And size you up. It's okay. a relationship. Right. <laughs> Assuming that the deal is OK and you meet, you know, certain threshold minimums. You can just make a handshake deal. Well, yeah, and we'll talk with about the president yeah, of the bank. That's cool, and we're going to talk about what they're going to actually require to to do that deal. But yeah, okay, so that's and one then, type. Well, so the biggest type of balance sheet lender would be an insurance company, but that is a very you know you're talking huge deals. Most of the time, those are you know hundreds of millions of dollars in 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 debt in loans. Uh, so we won't touch on them too much, but those can be great, uh, really attractive loans because they probably have the cheapest cost of capital, which means the lowest interest rate to you. But you're probably not going out and getting a, a loan from an insurance company if you're probably doing, okay. not. Yeah, these, that's a different class of deal that we don't uh, we don't really cover here. Yeah, I've never done it um, on the principal side where I'm signing for the loan. It's my deal, but I've I've done it when you know on on the buy side for a private equity company when you're you're getting a two hundred million dollar loan. Um, so maybe that's another episode. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then third is agencies. So that's um, a very unique subcategory of a balance sheet lender, which is, uh, you know, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, Mac, who you've probably heard of. They are the largest owners of mortgages in the country uh, and are, you know, basically government sponsored enterprises. They, they're not, uh, they're not technically the government, but the government is subsidizing these, these agencies. And can you, can you just call up Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac and say, Hey, I need a loan? No, generally you are working with one of their approved um, third parties. Okay, is that that's the agency then? Yeah, oh, I see. So it's just, this is like a, a an agency that represents them and does well, no, them. sorry, I take that back. So I, I think Fannie and Freddie are the agencies, oh, I and see. I think that the the underwriter or you know somebody who is approved as a Fannie or Freddie underwriter can actually originate the loan. And so that's who you're contacting. Gotcha. Oftentimes these are, you know, very big institutions like Capital One is, you know, does a ton of these things. So they are approved oh, by Fannie. So these are larger like national banks. Yeah. We've done uh, a few loans with Bellwether, who is a Fannie approved underwriter. Right. So. Gotcha. Okay. So we've got the regional banks that are going to keep it on their books. You got the, the bigger banks that are going to sell it to Fannie and Freddie. Okay. And then you got seller financing. And then what's, what's the next category? Securitization. So. That's a CMBS loan. So I know we've got a lot of fancy acronyms and words here, but that it just means it's a Wall Street type of loan. These are the loans that caused the great financial crisis. Right? Yeah, it's a, a subset of those loans. So it's called a CDO, another fun acronym, uh, collateralized debt obligation. But all this stuff means is that they're taking a bunch of loans, a pool of loans on assets. In this case, we're talking about real estate. So a bunch of different real estate properties. They pull all the loans together and then what they do is they slice and dice these uh, that that new you know cash flow stream of debt payments, and they create a security out of it. So it's 
you know, the, the top slice of the deal is the lowest risk and has the lowest interest rate. Uh, and the bottom slice of that deal has the highest interest rate and the highest risk. Gotcha. And so if you're just looking to borrow money for a deal, how much do you care about this, the, the way that loan is structured? I mean, how, do you, how should we be you, thinking? You about actually that? care a lot uh, because they have different wrinkles to them. So let's, let's talk about that. So one, how do you go about getting these, these different types of loans? So the, the balance sheet lender, like we talked about, you're, you're talking to generally one person or maybe the, the loan guy or gal at that bank. It's pretty easy. Uh, once you know who to talk to, how to move that loan forward. Uh, like, I mean, you literally are, like, you, you're just looking up the regional banks in that area of yeah. where the deal is. So I mean, one of the first deals I did in manufactured housing, we literally called a no joke, a hundred different banks, hundred banks, all yeah. in that same state or same general area of the country. We focused most, the vast majority of them were in that one region. Okay. Uh, just because it's, you know, a lot of these banks have in their charter, they can only land within a certain, you know, uh, radius in miles from their, from their local bank. And how much were you looking to raise? Gosh, it was so small. It was like a million. Okay. So you call, that was you the call problem. A, you called a hundred banks. Yeah, seriously, because it was a, a smaller property and it was also closer to the downturn and it was in Michigan and, and people just because of Detroit, all these different lenders had just, you know, painted Michigan, the entire state with like, we won't do any loans here in 2012. But weren't those um, banks in Michigan or no? Yeah, some of them were. And so, they just said, we're not lending right now. So even so the regional banks in that region were like, no, no, we, no, we no, don't no. like our we region. We don't like our yeah. state. <laughs> we want to go to a different region. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's a bummer. Um, okay. So you called a hundred. And and also it's, you know, it's a very niche asset type. Look, if you were, if you had an apartment building that you were looking for a loan on, you're not going to have to call a hundred regional banks. You can probably call two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So they call, you call a hundred and then you ultimately probably end up talking to a few deeper and then. Yeah. I think we talked to 10 and you know, most of those deals we didn't like, and then three, you know, were viable and we picked one. Okay. Gotcha. And so so then maybe, yeah, get it. What, so what's a regional lender, a balance sheet lender? Like, what are they going to want to know? Like, what are they going to, what information are they going to need to make a decision about whether yeah. they're going to lend you money? So here's one wrinkle with balance sheet lenders uh, at regional banks is almost always those are uh, recourse loans. So they are going to look at your personal financials, you and and the partners on that deal, the the active partners, not, not a limited partner. Somebody's just writing a check. But they're going to look to your financials and your balance sheet, your assets to figure out, okay, if this property goes to hell, uh, can you personally or the partners personally, you know, still pay this loan? Oh, so this is where the personal guarantee comes in. Yeah. Oh, okay. And we, and we yeah. don't, we don't love these. We don't. No one loves these, Nobody right? Loves I mean, these. So the bank is literally saying, hey, yeah, we'll lend you your million bucks to cover, you know, your, your project. But if you don't pay, we have the ability to come after your personal finances. Yeah. Okay, and not, this is not this, great. These are the ones you want to talk over with your spouse. <laughs> these, yeah, we've we've covered this one at the SBA one. Yeah, uh, honey, and you know those college funds we've been uh, raising. We're going to yeah. have to pledge those. Gotcha. Okay, and so then, um, and so what about in, in terms of what they're looking at on the deal itself? What are, and I get that they have to look at your financials and make sure you can pay it back, but what are they looking for on the actual deal? Yeah, so the good ones will also underwrite the property really oh, thoroughly. So some of them don't even some look of them, at the property? Honestly, some of them just whatever. No they kidding. rubber stamp it. Because, are you serious? Yeah, because if they think that you're a big enough balance sheet... They don't care. They don't care. As long as, you know, look, they're going to check the boxes on the big reports, like they have to get an appraisal, right? These these are third-party reports. Okay. Uh, you have to get appraisal of the property to make sure it's worth what 
you know, roughly what you're buying it for uh, and it supports the loan amount. And then there's something called a, an environmental report of phase one. So they want to like, they'll have to check the big boxes. So something like glaring they'll catch, but a lot of these lenders just kind of rubber stamp. Oh, okay. The financials look great. Whatever. Like loan to value. I'm sure I'm assuming they would look at loan to value. Yeah. So the appraisal is going to come in they're going to say, well, you know, you told us you're buying this thing for 5 million and only appraised for, you know, 3 million. So you're only going to get 60% of the loan we, we quoted you. Yeah, so they don't, they have a certain loan to value threshold. They just that's what they do. They won't go over that. Yeah, because and that's cover your own ass kind of stuff for them, right? It's like they, they don't want if the loan defaults and then you default, they they want to be able to point at the appraisal that says, well, they said the you know this deal was worth X. Gotcha. Okay, so this is this is more of a relationship based debt <laughs> instrument, I guess. You know, they're going to look at your personal finances. You're probably going to have to sign a personal guarantee. Um, they're going to care about loan to value. They're going to get an appraisal and maybe some other third party reports, but it, it doesn't sound too gnarly. Yeah, this is not too bad. I mean, some, some banks are really good at this because maybe they have just a, a big commercial real estate division. And so they, they will get into the weeds, but for the most part, you know, you can get through an underwriting, a loan underwriting with a regional bank in a, in a few weeks, couple weeks, maybe. Um, no, okay. So that quickly. Huh? Yeah, you can, it's pretty quick if, because they, they also don't, really customize the loan docs right they're not gonna you're not gonna have your lawyer on the phone with their lawyer you know pounding out the, you yeah. know the minutia right. of these lo- it's like no these are our standard docs just sign them or you don't get the loan yep gotcha yep. okay so okay so then and just quick ballpark of the fee on a kind of loan like that i mean it, it, this this gets wrapped into the closing costs and the deal and you can actually pay for the the fees out of the uh, uh no a lot of them well, yeah, they'll put it into the deal, but it'll be itemized on your closing statement. It'll just be like, oh, one percent fee to the bank is for origination. Is that what it is? Roughly one percent. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of okay, pretty market, pretty standard. Okay, so that's the regional, and that's and this is who you would go to if you were kind of a what a million or two million dollar loan, and maybe it's your first time borrowing money, so you don't have a big track record or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, right? especially if if you don't have a big track record, then you you almost have to go with a recourse type of loan because people are, are going to assume that well. You know, maybe they're not great at running real estate, but at least we can go after their house. Gotcha. Okay, so then let's get into the other two. That you got the agencies, the Fannie and Freddie types, and then you got the um, the big ones that are going to securitize your loan and chop it up and sell it off. So, which one do you want to take? Yeah. So we'll start with the agencies. So okay. Fannie and Freddie are are similar to the balance sheet lenders in in the loan docs, where they're not going to go and do a bunch of custom stuff. Right? It's pretty programmatic, right? It's just they have their programs, and you pick one. And you go with it and you kind of, you know, basically tweak things at the margin, but, you know, you're signing up on, on their program. They're great, generally great interest rates. They're, they're going to be way more detailed than the, the regional, you know, balance sheet lenders on underwriting the actual asset because these are going to be non-recourse loans. So Fannie and Friday are really good for properties that, uh, that you want the lowest rate possible they generally want slightly nicer properties. The CMBS lenders, which we'll get into next, will will kind of go to lower quality properties than the Fannie and Freddies of the world. Uh, but you know, the nice thing too about Fannie and Freddie is they they will do some unique things on refinance where you can you can pull money out a few years into the into the loan without having to go out and sell the property or get a brand new loan at a new appraisal. Okay, so. These already sound like more attractive loans. Like, how, they how, are. Do you, how do you know when you're calling up the bank? I mean, you mentioned the regional banks usually do the on, you know, the on balance sheet. Is this 
Is this like, hey, if I'm calling a bigger bank, they're probably going to be a Fed. How do I know if I'm getting a Freddie and Fannie loan? Straight ask. You know, are you guys approved as a Fannie and Freddie underwriter? Gotcha. Okay, so that's just part of the initial conversation. They're like, well, yeah, we can do those, or we can do it on our balance sheet. Are they going to be the ones to dictate sort of whether they do it on balance sheet or through Fannie and Freddie, or is that do you dictate that? Like, how does that work? Uh, generally they, it's one or the other. They, they typically are not like, you know, Oh, we'll either keep this loan in house okay. or we're going to give you a choice. Yeah. It's, it's usually, you know, Fannie has, you know, uh, underwriters that, that tend not to keep the loans themselves. They're just basically an origination, but these are uh, na- for Fannie. These are national banks typically. No, no. no sometimes okay. they're just, you know, like a loan brokerage, which we'll, you know, touch on here is they will have an arm that does Fannie lending. And they also have a division that, you know, that brokers loans. So for for any of these loans, you can get a mortgage broker, which simplifies the process dramatically, right? Because you get your mortgage broker and they navigate this process for you. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, and they will probably, go out. That's a good point. Yeah. But, you know, they, they're not going to call 100 regional lenders for a $1.5 million loan because they, they get like 1% a brokerage fee on the loan. 1% is a very common, you know fee for all these people and how do you fi- how do you find a commercial broker i mean is it, i mean you look, just google it <laughs> look if you have if you're doing any kind of deals they will find you okay so these <laughs> they are, will harass you on linkedin there's guys there's 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 guys and girls in each community that would consider are, are commercial brokers this is their job their job is to find you financing for real estate projects. Yeah. and there's some that specialize in um in one particular asset class right and you can kind of f- figure out who those are a lot of them have content online and you know, websites you can search. It's generally not hard to find a, a commercial broker. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we live here in Orange County, California, where I, th- I feel like every, you know, second person I meet is in commercial real estate or, or loans or real estate. And now, now that I'm like reflecting, I think most of the people that I'm meeting, like with my kids at the park are actually these types of people. These are commercial mortgage brokers, essentially, right? I mean, they, they, yeah. they would help us get a loan if we're doing a real estate project. Gotcha. Okay. So you can, yeah. So I guess that's an important point that you could use a broker to find all of these types of loans, or you could just go at it on your own. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So the agencies are more attractive, interest rates, more flexible terms. Um, okay. That, those, those sound better. Non-recourse, so no personal guarantee. And then the final one is the commercial mortgage-backed securities one where they chop it up. So how do you know if you're getting this type of a loan and, and what, are these, what are these types of uh, lenders look like? So if you got a big enough deal, you, know, you, you probably are getting a mortgage broker involved just because it's going to be worth uh, the, the hassle, that the work that they're going to do. And they can show you a bunch of different options, both CMBS, agency, and you know maybe the larger balance sheet guys. So... If uh, if you are using a mortgage broker, they'll probably give you five different CMBS lenders that that are interested in the deal. You know, if it's a big enough, attractive enough deal, yeah. and then your beauty contest, yeah, and then you you know they give you a matrix mm. that has all the, yep. the pertinent you know info, and uh, you you decide you know which is the optimal lender for you. The great thing about CMBS is that uh, they they can get more creative, and they can they can go outside of the box on deal structures and the type of property that you're you're getting versus you know Fannie and Freddie tend to like to see things in in their little box and once things go outside of that box they they tend to pass so how big would a deal have to be before you think you can qualify for one of these CMBS type loans or how well big, you how big would probably, the loan? I've done one as low as three million um 
But, uh, you know, you spend uh, so much money on the, on the legal aspect of CMBS because it is uh, a pain in the rear to get these things done. Oh, is it? Yeah. So the, the transactional cost, you know, for a $3 million loan is going to be, you know, like $150,000, $200,000. Okay. Uh, so you so, could see yeah. why you want them to be larger loans, right? Yeah. You, yeah. A $1 million loan wouldn't make sense at all. It'd be a huge percentage of the overall deal. Gotcha. So then, so obviously you have to weigh the cost benefits or, you know, you're going to probably more attractive interest rates, more flexible terms, all that stuff, but you're going to, you're paying for it. And, and is the cost generally your lawyer going back and forth, redlining documents with their side? Is that the, is that where the big costs come in? That is by far the biggest is okay. that you're paying. And this is where I get so frustrated is that you're paying for their lawyer too. Oh, that's a great deal for them. <laughs> and <laughs> guess what? How do we get into that? It business? is not a, uh, a discount law firm that you're paying for. They throw a giant team of people on your loan, which, I mean, the nice part about it is that, look, everybody is on top of things. And so there isn't like a, you know, you're sending five emails to check on, you know, Bob Smith from regional bank in Wiscotia. Yeah. Good old Wiscotia, Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So yeah, it's expensive. So yeah, it almost feels like if you're going to spend $300,000 on legal and you're doing a $3 million loan, that's 10% of the loan. That's, that's significant, right? Yeah, no, it's nutty. You'd almost don't want to do this until you're like in what, like 10, $20 million loans. Is that fair or no? I think, uh, I think it starts to make sense at, at, you know, four or five. Okay. Yeah. Because like I said, they, they will do better. Yeah. They will do more interesting custom things based on your business plan for the loan versus, you know, Fannie and Freddie who are, like I said, are just very vanilla. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay, good. So we got, okay. So four sources of debt. I mean, essentially, by the way, I think it's one thing we should note is that we're, we're only talking about sort of conventional long term sources of debt here, right? We're not talking about categories like hard money loans where they're going to loan you maybe money for 12 to 18 months to turn something around or flip something. This is the real long-term stuff. Four categories, seller financing, the regional banks that are going to keep it on their books, the agencies that are representing Fannie and Freddie, and then sort of the, these large commercial backed securities uh, folks are going to loan you real serious dollars at flexible terms. We're going to make you pay for it. Yeah. And that, the one wrinkle, too, with CMBS that you got to think about is that they don't like it when you prepay. Because if you can think about what ends up happening is that you don't really have a lender, right? Because they slice up the loan. And then they sell it off in the secondary market. So some somebody's bought this this bond in the secondary market that happens to have a slice of your loan. Well, they you know there's not like somebody to call when you want to change the terms of your loan mm-hmm. if something's going wrong or if you need to prepay the loan. It's like you know there isn't a particular sorry, person. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, that's not how this works. Yeah. So if you if you want to prepay the loan, you you literally have to do uh, what's called a defeasement. You have to defease the loan by going out and getting a bunch of different U.S. treasuries that replicate the payments of your loan. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that sounds crazy. It is insane. It's and like, it is cr- incredibly <laughs> expensive. So, okay. So then in conclusion, I think you'd really want to make sure that the type of loan you're getting kind of matches your, what, your... Your, your business strategy. Yeah, your, your strategy. The your, business plan. Okay. Yeah. If, because if, if you... If prepayment is part of your plan, then yeah, be thoughtful right. about... Yeah. And I guess the other way I would look at this too is if you can get seller financing, great. It's probably the easiest. If you can't and you've, you have a deal of a certain size that doesn't qualify for CMBS, it sounds like the agency routes better if, if you can qualify. 
Otherwise, you're going to have to go with one yeah. of these no, you know, re- yeah. recourse personal guarantees. Right? Yeah, and I've learned this the hard way. The, uh, the Fannie and Freddie, the agencies, are the way to go if you can make it happen, if they will do the loan. Because they have just so, many, uh, so much more flexibility in the types of programs where you can, you can refinance and pull out money and do a supplemental loan. And it's just more flexible because you can have a business plan with your property, but what happens if the market changes? What happens if it's not going to plan? Yeah. What happens if you want to get out? Well, I imagine that's going to be one of the challenges for someone who's doing one of their first deals is you're not really going to know what you don't know around what your strategy should be. Like, do I want to prepay? Like what, what terms do I, you know, how should I be flexible? So yeah, because uh, let's go back to that matrix. If you're looking at the matrix and you see it, well, these CMBS lenders have higher leverage and so loan to value, maybe they go up 80% versus the agency is 75 and their interest rates about the same. And, and maybe it's uh, only a half a point versus a point. So on paper, on the matrix, it looks like the CMBS is a no brainer, but then you can't really price optionality with Fannie. Yeah. And that flexibility to do something completely different than what you thought was going to happen. So then would you, would you counsel someone who's doing one of their first deals to just go with a commercial mortgage broker and ju- who can just kind of lay this all out for you and, and tell you the pros and cons? 100%. Okay. Uh, I, you know, okay. So I, shout out to all the commercial mortgage brokers out there. We, we're, we're giving you props. Oh, no. So usually they're, they're going to try to charge, you know, a 1%, yeah. well, they 100 get, bips. Yeah, they got to get paid. Yeah. They, sometimes they'll go down to 50 bips if it's a you know bigger deal or 25, it's a huge deal. But they are worth their weight in gold because they'll probably save you a little bit on the interest rate. And so, you know, do the math on that over 10 years. Yeah. And, and then, they'll make your life so much less painful. Yeah. And then maybe once you've, once you have a track record and you've got five, 10 deals under your belt and you truly understand all the trade-offs between these types of loans, maybe then you want to just, you know, you develop relationships. Maybe then you go at it alone, but... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I could have done that. I don't think my mortgage broker would be too happy, though. Oh, you, you, when he you, makes you, the you intro, still use a broker for every. Well, so this is what you know, because think about it. He made he made the intro. Oh, that's we, fair. We did yeah. a deal with uh, with Starwood Capital. Hello, Starwood, love you. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, and subsequently we did other deals with yeah, Starwood. He's got so, get, yeah, it's his deal. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like you know, if you're playing the long game, you, you can argue, hey, this one's going to be super easy for you, so you, you, you don't have to go out to ten different firms. But uh, you know, so we'll give you less of a fee. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. well, go find a good commercial mortgage broker and then uh, then re-listen to this podcast yeah. and then good luck. And uh, we hope you uh, are successful at raising a. a piece of debt at a great interest rate. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.